0: this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You take what you like from this one, you take what you like from that one, you take what you like from this one, you take what you like from and you just kind of make a hosh-posh of spirituality. And so the, the question is, man, what really makes Christianity different? Is Christianity any different from any of the other religions of the world? And, you know, to, to answer the question, we're actually going to go to a passage of scripture to give you kind of an idea to answer this question. And so if you have your Bibles. Why don't you turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be starting out with verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 15, starting out with verses 1 and 2. It says this. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered together to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I'm going to read that again. Now the tax collectors and sinners... We're all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So I'm going to kind of paint, again, what really makes Christianity different? So I'm going to kind of paint a picture for you, okay? So Jesus is walking on the planet. He's performing miracles, and crowds of people were around him. And then the crowd was made up of different types of people. There were people that were there that needed healing. There were people who were there that... Were curious. There were people that were there that, you know, all all, all different types of people, and and so, but but specifically in this passage, it mentions a couple different types of people that were in the crowd. Kind of two extremes of people. It mentions the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And then it also mentions the sinners and the tax collectors. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, again, kind of two extremes. So you're kind of looking at the righteous and the unrighteous. You're looking at the clean and the unclean. You're looking at the, the rule followers and the unruly. Again, kind of, kind of an interesting mix of people that were there. Again, what makes Christianity different? Now, 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 now if you were to look at these two, dif- two different groups of people from the outside, and you were to ask yourself which one of these uh, groups was heaven-bound and which one of these groups was hell-bound, it, it kind of seems like it would be obvious which one's were heaven bound, and which one were, were hell bound? In fact, you know, when you think about the Pharisees, the Pharisees were known for their emphasis on personal piety. They were um, people that accepted the oral tradition. They also accepted the written tradition. They not only followed the Ten Commandments, but they also followed six hundred other plus laws uh, in the Torah, which included all sorts of different rites for which included all sorts of different ceremonial, ceremonial purification things that they did. They were the best of the best. They were the rulers of the rulers. They're the rule keepers. They're the rule makers. They um, prayed beautifully. Have you ever been around someone that prays beautifully, and you're like, oh my goodness, like I wish I could pray like that. Like the Pharisees had the best words. They had the best phrases. They said the best things. And uh, not only did they pray beautifully, but they also fasted beautifully, so that everyone could see them and that everyone knew that they were suffering. Um, They always went to church. Always went to church. They had uh, the Bible memorized, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and they wore cool ropes and long tassels. I mean, wouldn't that be cool to have a Pharisee in our church today? Could you imagine someone that walks in with a long robe and tassels who knew the entire Bible, who was super and who was here every single Sunday and was involved in all the ministries? Wouldn't that be awesome? Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, perfect. I am leading you down a, a beautiful path. So, so, so on the one extreme, you had the Pharisees, and they were the best of the best. They were the righteous of the righteous. They were the, the coolest of the cool. They had the robes and the tassels and the, the these and the thous and the shall knots and the shalls and the you know whatever and don't eat don't don't do this and don't walk on Sunday and you know all these rules and all the and they were they, they on, the, on the on the outside they looked like the perfect people. They prayed beautifully. They fasted beautifully. They went to church regularly. They memorized the word of God. Um, they spoke in perfect King James English. Just kidding. Um, everything, was, everything was beautiful for the Pharisees. Two extremes. So what makes Christianity different? So two extremes. So first you had the Pharisees. And then on the flip side of that, you had the tax collectors and the sinners. Um, could you imagine coming to church and someone just refers to you as the sinner? Okay. Melissa, you are the sinner. Uh, 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 Nolan, you are the, the sinner. Like so, the, the, ta- the tax and a lot of times they were known for their sin. Oh well, that, that's the that's the, the guy with leprosy, so he must have been a sinner. Or, or or that's the lady who committed adultery. Or that's the like so so like the tax collectors in the sinner. So you had two extremes. You had the Pharisees, who were the best of the best of the best of the best, and then you had the the tax collectors and the sinners, and the sinners were known by their sin, and the tax collectors, no one liked the tax collectors because no one liked to pay money to the government. I think that's still true, right? Like, I mean, I don't. Amen? Can I get an amen? Tax uh, season is coming up, and what? And um, no one liked the tax collectors because they were people that were Jews who were working for the Romans, and they were considered turncoats and traitors, and. They were bad, and no one liked the tax collectors because everyone knew that tax collectors cheated everyone. Okay? So we had two extremes. So what makes Christianity different? We had two extremes. We had the Pharisees, and we had the tax collectors and sinners. And if I were a betting man, if I were to been someone in the crowd, and I were to look into the crowd, and I were to see these two extremes of people, and then if I were to see Jesus, I'd be like, you know what? I know exactly who's going to heaven and who's not. I can see it. I mean, these guys wear robes and tassels. These guys speak in perfect King James. These guys uh, give their money to the synagogue. These guys are faithful attenders to the church. These guys, man, they have a special diet. These, these guys are perfect. What makes Christianity different? Hmm. It's interesting because this is the setting that Jesus sits down and he tells a parable. And in the parable, he explains what kind of makes Christianity different. So if you look in Luke chapter 15, again, and you go a little bit further down, it says, 15 verse 11 and 12, Jesus begins to tell this story. What makes Christianity different? He said, Jesus continued. He said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, this would have been something that, like, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal today to ask for, you know, for, for someone to ask for their share of the estate. But, but, but actually, back in biblical times, this was, this was a really big deal. In fact, Uh, an estate was not given until someone had passed. So essentially what the son was saying was that, Father, um, I wish you were dead. And I wish you were dead, Um, not only do I wish you were dead, but also I want my money. Are you guys thankful for children this morning? Praise the Lord. But this was a pretty disrespectful thing for him to say. I want my money, and I want it now. I don't want to wait for you to die I want my money now. I kind of wish you were dead because I want my money because I want to do whatever I want to do with my money. I want to do whatever I want. I, 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 just just give me my money. This would have been terribly disrespectful. This would have been a slap in the face. This would have been something terrible. This would have been something scandalous. This would have been something uh, atrocious that I am trying to think of some other uh, words. This would have been something a scandalous. This would have been something di- diabolical for a son to ask his father, I want my money. I want it now. You're not even dead yet, but I want it. I want it, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. I imagine the listeners, especially uh, the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, thinking, "Oh my goodness!" I I think Jesus a lot of times told these stories for shock value, because it would have been again, it would have been scandalous for him to ask for the money before his father had died. But shocking, and even more shocking is if you keep on reading, you see in verse twelve that he actually divided his property between them. He divided his property among them. So so, it's like, hey, this this, this boy, he came to his father. He said, Father, I I want my portion of my estate. And shockingly enough, the father obliged to the son's request. Man. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs he longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything so he divided his property between them Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off to a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to feed his to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So the son takes the money, took the inheritance, ran away from home, and squandered everything. Let me say that again. He took the money. First of all, he said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Then he takes the money, he took his inheritance, he ran away from home, and squandered everything that he had um, On wild living. Squandered everything that he had on wild living. You know, it's interesting because I think that squandering can be fun. Does that sound weird? But squandering can be fun at times. I think squandering can bring a certain level of satisfaction when you're squandering. Uh, Squandering can be enjoyable squandering can be so enjoyable at times when you just don't even have to think about tomorrow or the next day squandering oh my goodness sometimes it's just fun to squander amen amen thank you matt uh it's uh, squandering it's like it's like squandering can be fun for a time i would even argue that sometimes living with pigs can be fun living with pigs can be fun for a time Pigs accept you just the way that you are, right? You don't have to change anything when you live with pigs. You can be dirty when you live with pigs. Like, like, squandering and living with pigs can be fun at times. It can be. It can be a lot of fun at times. But it's interesting because when you look at squandering, and when you look at pig living, is that a word, a phrase that I should say in church? Squandering and living with pigs. When you look at squandering and living with pigs, the satisfaction It's temporary. It's temporary. Some of you here this morning know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to squander, and you know what it's like to live with pigs. You know it's been fun for a season. You know it's been fun for a time. You know it's been fun for a little while. But listen, squandering and living with pigs is temporary satisfaction. Right? And eventually you realize that there's nothing here. Eventually, you realize that, 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 that the fun-seeking, the squandering, the living with pay, eventually you realize, oh my goodness, like, like, like I'm actually living in a famine. And the things that brought me satisfaction at one time aren't bringing me satisfaction anymore. There's, there, there, there's a moment when, when you realize that there has to be something different, right? There has to be something different. I've tried all these things, I've experienced all these things, I've gone after all these things, they were fun, but there has to be something different. And I love the wordage in the text because it says that when he came to his, hold on, um, it says in um, verse 17, it says, but when he came to his senses, I feel like that's such a powerful phrase there, but when he came to his senses, When he realized that there was no satisfaction with the pigs. What makes Christianity different? When he realized that there was no satisfaction with the pigs. When he realized that there was no satisfaction in the squandering. When he realized there was no satisfaction spending all the money that he had. When he realized that there was a bottom to all these things. When he came to his senses. And Maybe some of you are here this morning. You feel like, oh, maybe maybe I'm kind of coming to my senses here. Like, I'm starting to see things clearly. Like, I've been going after these things. And these things, they promised me. I feel like they promised me happiness. Like, it's like when you like when you get a promotion at jo- uh, get a promotion at your job and you make a little bit more money and you think now I've finally arrived until like two paychecks later and you're like I have not arrived I need more money I need more money and you keep on working working working, working, working and you need like more you know, it's like a, something that. You guys know what I'm talking about. When you come to your senses, when you think, oh, man, this relationship that I'm in, it's going to bring me so much happiness. You know, look at these two. They're so happy. Well, anyway, it's going to bring me so much happiness. Sorry to call you guys out. But it's going to bring me so much happiness. It's going to, like, this is going to fulfill everything that I desire, everything that I need, right? But when you come to your senses and you realize that there's a God-shaped hole in your heart, that nothing else can fill? Like when you sit there and you realize that, like, listen, like, like, I I can do all this squandering. I can do all this. I I can live with... Listen, when you come to your senses, when you come to your make what makes Christianity different? You come to your senses. You realize, wait. This isn't bringing any satisfaction. Hmm. I mean, it's bringing satisfaction, but it's temporary or partial satisfaction. Man, it's, uh, man, this job is great, but I still feel like there's a void. This relationship is amazing, but I still feel like there's something that's missing. Man, ah, man, I, ah, it, there's something, but when you come to your senses, what makes Christianity, when you come to your senses, When you come to your senses. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Hmm. I wonder what makes Christianity different. I mean, I mean, I kind of, I kind of wonder. Like, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you think? I mean, uh, should he be allowed to go back into his father's house? You know, he he'd messed up. He'd squandered. He'd been living with pigs. He had said that he wanted his, essentially, wanted his father to die. He took his inheritance early. Very disrespectful. Um, obviously, the other son knew about this as well. Um, the family knew about it. What would people say? Like, man, uh, I mean, what do you think? Should he be allowed back in the father's house? You know, maybe he could come back into the house, but perhaps um, the father might, maybe he could do it, but, but, but maybe, I don't know, he could come back, but maybe he'd have to earn his keep. Um, Maybe he could come back as the son had thought as a as a hired helper, or maybe if he worked really hard he 'd be able to have a have a spot at the the father 's table, maybe if he uh, did certain things, uh, maybe if he followed a uh, six hundred plus rules in uh, the Old Testament, and rules that they thought up with. Maybe if he attended church regularly. Maybe if he were to come to church and, and, and tithe and be involved in all the ministries. Maybe if, if he were to come to church and or, or just walk around with a long robe and tassels. Maybe... If he were to say a prayer a specific way, or maybe if he were to fast a certain way, maybe then, perhaps then, the Father might take him back. But he would definitely have to earn his way back into a right relationship with the Father. There were two extremes of people who were there that day the Pharisees, the tax collectors. Maybe hey, he can come back, but, but he would definitely have to earn his way back. Listen, Judaism teaches that by changing your behavior and doing good deeds, you can earn your way to heaven. Islam says that uh, we can move toward paradise by performing the five pillars. Hinduism teaches that if we store up enough good karma... We will reunite with Brahman. Buddhism says that we can enlighten and disciples our, disciple ourselves into nirvana by practicing the eightfold path. I have a friend who is a devout Jehovah's Witness that thinks, man, if I just do enough good deeds, eventually, maybe I'll be part of the 144,000, 144, maybe, maybe just then. Maybe just then. But it's interesting when you look at the father's response. It says that he saw him from a distance. I imagine him looking out and him knowing his son so well that he could make him out from his outline on the horizon. And I imagine that that is the way that God sees you as well. Maybe you've been gone for a long time, you think that the Father would not even recognize you, but he he knows where you're at. He knows your name. He knows exactly what you've gone through. It says that he saw him from a distance. And he ran to him, and he wrapped his arms around him. He kissed him. He gave him a robe and put a ring on his finger. Why would the Father do that? What makes Christianity different? Why would the Father go to such extremes? You know, in Scripture it says that because of God's great love for us, it says that God so loved the world... One passage of scripture, it says, uh, oh, uh, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Can you look to your neighbor and say, lavished, lavished on us? You know, God's love for us is not contingent on what we do. God's love for us is based on his work. His love for us, his love for us is based on, on the work that he did on the cross for us. I love what it says in John uh, 1, verses 9 through 13. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. He was in the world, and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came uh, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now look at verse, uh, it's verse 12 there. It It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of, human, or, of, or, or, of, or of a husband's will, but born of God. You know, all other religions, we try to attain, we try to get to God, but in Christianity, God came to us. He came and he dwelt us. Among us. There's nothing that you can do to get your... It's, it's all about God's grace. Others, other religions teach us that our own... But, but, other religions teach us that it's our own sacrifice um, that we can pay our debts. But in Christianity, Jesus taught that only God's self-sacrifice can pay our debts. Worship team can come back up again. Yeah. What makes Christianity different? What makes Christianity different? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting love, have everlasting life. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children. It's not about the things that we do, but it's about the thing that he has already done for us on the cross. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. God, we, we thank you that we have this opportunity to talk about your, your word. God, I thank you that we have this opportunity to be here in your presence God, I thank you that um, you came and you died for everyone, and that you have a radical type of love for us—a love that, that that searches for us, a love that is never ceasing, a love that um, I'm just thinking of it in Luke chapter 15, the lost chapter, where where it's like the lost coin, where the where where she tears apart her apart her whole house looking for the coin, or or the lost sheep, where where the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one, or the lost son. God, 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 God your love is, is so radical and is so um, encompassing. God, I thank you for your love. And God, uh, maybe there are some people here this morning that have felt like they have uh, been living, they've been squandering, and they've been living with the pigs, and they've been doing their own thing. And God, right now, I just pray that you'll minister to them, that you'll speak to them, that you will uh, just uh, continue to uh, change their hearts and transform them, God. God, you, it's not like you're, you're asking uh, us to do and do and do, but you're just asking us to believe in you and to follow you because you already did the work on the cross, God. And as we sing this song, one last time, may you get the glory and the praise.